Hello, everyone. I'm Priest Willis, and this is Missions and Marketplace Podcast, episode number 68. Today, I'm joined with Louisa Joe. Louisa is a serial entrepreneur and online educator who teaches people how to leave the day job and start their own six-figure-plus business working for themselves. She's helped hundreds of students, including health and business coaches, designers, copywriters, and consultants, and shown them how to launch businesses that generate anywhere from 10K to 100K in a matter of months. She has appeared in numerous online and print publications, including Forbes, Inc., Entrepreneurs, Success Magazine, and more. In this episode, she'll tell us how she generated $106,000 in sales in four months in business while maintaining a full-time job and was at 50 hours plus a week. She gives us some advice for overcoming her own fears, some limitations she had initially, and how she just kept fighting through it. Now, the one thing that I really enjoyed talking to her about was that she said, yeah, Priest, I made $106,000 in four months, but that took a lot of effort on the front end. And a lot of times we get so starry-eyed about people making tons and tons of money, but there's a lot of work that's sometimes put in on the back end that has helped propel people in new businesses or new initiatives. So they may have made a lot of money in that particular case, but there were other efforts that either failed or something has happened for them to stand up on top of that pile of failure, if you will, and then become successful. So I really enjoyed talking to her. And without further ado, here is Louisa Joe. Hello, Louisa. Welcome to the program. Thank you. I'm excited to have you here. There was actually an article written in Forbes by a friend of mine, Nagina, and that's how I actually found out about you. And the title was, which I thought was pretty impressive, how this 28-year-old started a side hustle, which now makes over a million dollars a year. You know, the side hustle thing is a big deal right now. Everybody wants to be an Uber driver, or rent out their Airbnb, even if they got to sleep outside to say that they're side hustling. But before we get into that, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I loved that article title. I'm really glad that it helped us connect. But I have to say that because just to share all of my background would have taken too long in the article. There were some things I didn't share, which I want to be very upfront about, which is it wasn't my first business. It wasn't like I started a business, made a million dollars in a year and, you know, it's all rainbows and unicorns. <laughs> For anyone who's listening and is kind of wondering, oh my gosh, starting a, or building a business seems so hard. There's someone here who's made a million dollars in a year. Why am I not making whatever number I wanted? It's because that's the tip of the iceberg. There's so much more underneath. And I just want to make that clear. And we don't need to go into my entire story, but just to provide a little bit of background, I actually started my first business about, I think, over 10 years ago. So if you really think about it, it's actually, she built a few businesses failed, succeeded, and then built another business that made- They got it to a million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the story of 409, right? There was 408 iterations, the 409th worked. (laughs) Exactly. I'm interested to hear. So how did the first businesses that you tried to start, how did that happen? And shared a little bit of your corporate life, what led you even into wanting to start businesses? You know, a lot of what I like to know is what makes entrepreneurs tick, what actually brings them to the place that they are today. So you're right. Not so much that the million dollars pops off, but just the fact that people are willing to continue to hustle outside of a nine to five 
to find something else that keeps them alive is what I'm most interested in. So what were those first businesses? Where did you start at? One of the things about me is that I don't think I'm a natural born entrepreneur. I, I didn't start out thinking, let me solve a problem and change the world. The, my entrepreneurial ventures have been more, I fell into them. So my very first business was a tutoring business for high schoolers. And the reason I started it was really simple. My mother's friends had asked her if I could help their kids with their high school applications their grades, test scores, et cetera. And I figured, hey, here's something I'm good at. People want my help and I could get paid really well doing it. And built that into a decent sized business for a few years. And that's really how I got started though. It wasn't as if I was sitting there thinking, let me solve this problem. It was, <laughs> it really fell into my lap. You know, I read somewhere that when you were younger though, you decided that at very early age that you wanted to be CEO. So even though you weren't entrepreneurial, there were some business instinct that was inside you somewhere. So I always assumed just because the way I grew up was very traditional, the do the nine to five, climb the corporate ladder, but I was ambitious. So I channeled that ambition into what I knew, which was I'm going to be the CEO of a big company. And when I was younger, I really wanted to be the CEO of Boeing because I thought, all right, I'm going to be the CEO of this really cool company. We're going to go into space and it's just going to be fantastic. That's pretty interesting. So what made Boeing be it? Was your dad part of the... Yes. So he worked for Boeing and because his interest was always space, I was around that a lot. I grew up with my bedroom filled with space posters and different planets and read, reading books on that. And so it just felt very natural for me to think this is what I'm going to spend my life doing. That's pretty cool. So you go from that and at the age of 25... You were in the corporate environment. You were doing well financially. And aside from all that, internally, there was something, even though it may not have been an entrepreneurial pull, there was something in you that said that there's more out there for you to do. What did that look like? Kind of set us up before we get into kind of what you do today in terms of coaching. Where were you at at that point when you were working full time and just felt a pull in other places? Oh, it was, I was at a point where things were good, like you said, and there was a part of me that thought maybe this is all I should need. But at the same time, first, I didn't love that there was a cap on what I could earn on how I could be recognized because I just felt that I was doing all of this work. And I'd always hear you should just be happy because you're making more than everyone else. You're making so much for your age. And I just thought, what does that have to do <laughs> with what I'm contributing and how I'm compensated? And so I really disliked that kind of cap on me for just no real reason. Do you think yeah. people are really, I mean, that's interesting that you bring that up because there's so many different facets. One, you know, you're a minority along with myself, right? In this country, you're a woman and you know, you're young. So do you think a lot of people approach you that way with even subconsciously considering all those things and saying, you know what, you're in a really good place. Don't dream for more. Why even believe for more? Do you sometimes feel a part of that based on who you are? Or do you think that's just people with their own limitations? Yes. What I feel, and I heard, I actually heard this, so it's not just the way I feel. People said exactly what you said. You know, you're doing great for your age. And it was really, a lot of it was implied 
I wouldn't say so much gender or the race, but yeah. definitely age. Wow. That was a lot of it. And I mean, as far as the gender thing, I know my own parents thought that for me. <laughs> you know, you're a woman, you're <laughs> a minority, you're you just be happy and grateful <laughs> for what you have. Well, you did say that your parents were traditional, so I'm sure a lot of that. Now, was your mother a homemaker and kind of dad? Yes. Went, That's interesting because the nuclear family, in a sense, what they used to call it there, there's always this impression that a woman should just stay home and cook. Not saying your parents, I'm just talking about this yeah. I- ideal in society. Yes. And it's like, do you know how much good stuff women have contributed to society? And it all started when these men went off to war that these women sat back and I mean, they don't talk about the industrial age that women were actually at the very tipping point of that center. So mm-hmm. it's kind of crazy to me sometimes how society tends to push women back in the kitchen when women have already made it clear that they're here and they're here to stay. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's surprising. <laughs> yeah, it's very interesting. So we were talking about you making very good money in the corporate field and you having this pull to do something outside of that and something more fulfilling and you kind of feeling bottled up, if you will, what point did you jump out, if you will, to say, I'm going to do this? Or were you working it at night? Were you doing the side hustle thing? I was doing the side hustle thing. And the point, to be honest, was not something that came from me internally, because there was a big part of me that would just come home from work and say, you know what? I worked hard today. I'm tired. I'll, I'll think about a side hustle tomorrow. Mm. And I just kept on putting that off until a few years ago, what happened was everyone in my immediate family underwent some sort of literally life-threatening situation. So my mother was diagnosed with cancer. My Mm. father had to be rushed to the emergency room for just last minute heart surgery. And my sister almost lost her vision. And I just could not be with them for more than a few days. And when someone's recovering from heart surgery or cancer, you know, they need more than a few days. And I just remembered thinking, I I felt like a really bad daughter, like a horrible sister. And I just remember thinking, I can't do this. I almost lost everyone I care about. If that's what it means to be in this life, living this job, I need to do something else. And that's really what pushed me over having that drive of, I mean, yes, you build a business for yourself. I mean, it has to be for yourself, but what kind of catapulted me over the, oh, it's good enough phase was just thinking, this isn't just about me. It's about my family and the people I care about. That's really good. Cause I'm sure And probably didn't articulate it at the time and not to make this conversation any more morbid, but you probably realize your own fragileness in that, meaning that the one part of you wants to be there with your family and know that you should be because they've been there for you, of course. But then the other part of it is what happened if that's kind of me and I'm still in this position that I'm in where I'm doing well financially or I look like I'm doing well, but I get sick and things make a quick turn. Will I have lived a fulfilling life? I imagine that had to run through your mind a little bit too, maybe. You know, it's really funny now that you mention it. It did not run through my 
uh, mind at all. The reason, though, I think for that is because I'd always, as long as I'd been in the corporate world, had this thought, if this is all I do with my life and I'm lying on my deathbed, I'm going to regret it. I'm going to regret not exploring other avenues. That being said, though, it obviously wasn't enough <laughs> to push me over because I, I just kept on thinking, you know what? Life is good. I'll do it some other time. <laughs> so let's let's talk about what you launched off into. So you started a coaching program and this is where I read about the article, the misleading article from Nagina. I'm gonna, <laughs> no, no, it's I'm a teasing. good article. <laughs> I'm, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. It was a great article. And Nagina's awesome. So this is where we get into your story about you coaching. Now, I read somewhere, though, that you did initially start off with some coaching and it failed. So even within this success story, the four months, as you pointed out correctly earlier on, it took a lot more time to maturate than that with some trial and oh, error. Absolutely. What did the failing look like? And then what does this success look like? How did you get into this here? Just to take you back a bit, because the reasoning was important. After all those things happened to my family and based on my previous business experiences where the business that I'd been involved in had been either just physical. So uh, it was you tied up brick and mortar or else required a lot of upfront capital and was really stressful. I just thought, okay, I need to start a business that it has low overhead and that I can scale and leverage. And that's when I started thinking the business model that fits this criteria is an online business or an education-based business. So I started looking around seeing, okay, what, what can I teach? What do I know that I'm really good at? And I tried quite a few things, actually, as you mentioned. I started out because I'm pretty good at Microsoft Excel. Mm -hmm. So I started out thinking, all right, I'm going to teach people about formulas and macros and shortcuts and all of this great stuff. And I was good at it because that was part of what I did in my job. But I didn't realize that I was so bored by it. <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't want to do what I did in my job. And not a lot of thought went into that, to be honest. I just thought, all right, I'm just going to do the easiest thing that I'm good at, that I know can make money and get out of my job. So that, that was a mistake thinking that way. Did you teach any courses like Teachable or Udemy? Was that kind of some stuff that you pumped your content out to? No, I created my own blog and just did everything through my own platform. Oh, wow. Cool. So let's talk about what is working today. I know that there's a lot of people that want to get into coaching, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit. I recently had somebody on Instagram tell me that, hey, I decided I'm going to be a mentor in coaching. And I'm like, hmm, you just decided. That's interesting. <laughs> so this is another reason why I wanted to talk to you because this it's an interesting space that way. But what did you decide to get into and how are you helping those people at this point? So I did a few other things to really learn the ropes of internet marketing, online businesses, just on top of my previous business experience. And after I'd achieved a good amount of profit, left my job, I moved into teaching others how to build side hustles, how to build online businesses and leave their jobs. How do you teach that, Louisa? So you have your own platform. Am I somebody that comes to you with an idea or are you sparking that idea within me and then you're giving me tools to help facilitate that? Yeah. How is that relationship managed? So I teach through courses, again, hosted on my own platform. And some of my students come with ideas, some don't. And what I teach just covers both of those because at the end of the day, I think a lot of people have this misconception that to create a successful business, you need a quote unquote new idea. Mm -hmm. But new ideas are so rare and just they're like unicorns. What most businesses are 
is they solve a problem and that's it. So when someone comes to me, I really say, you don't need an idea. You should not be looking for an idea to start your business. You should be looking at what skills you have that you can use to help other people solve problems. It's a shift in thinking that makes a big difference because when you position it that way, everyone has skills that they can get paid for. That's why they have jobs. (laughs) And it's just about learning some other basic skills like marketing and sales to be able to use those skills for your own business. Got it. So you started off with this as a side hustle yourself. So you were probably your first guinea pig, if you will, in terms of testing out how this works. So are you motivating people to say, hey, look, time is your most valuable asset and you have a lot more time than you think. And are you there kind of having Skype calls with them? What additional as a coach are you bringing to your program? So something I want to clarify is I don't really consider myself a coach just because I think the way a lot of people think of coaches is as a sort of, you know, you have a certification and the way I think about coaching is it's more of you drawing out something from within someone like life coaching or something like that. I do use the term coach just because it's so common, but I really think of myself more as an educator. So the way I teach is, like I said, I have these courses. I have, I call them program coaches, but again, with the same caveats on the term who answer students' questions, who help them along. I do answer questions as well. But for calls, for Q&As, those are all already pre-recorded so that it really worked because... I mean, I went through this myself. When you're in the nine to five or nine to nine or whatever that is, you don't necessarily have set times every week to be putting aside attending a call or whatever. I prefer to just have the information there. You know where to access it and you can access it on your own time. Let me ask a two-part question. This is going to be kind of a double sword here. So the first one I'll ask, I'll get the ugly one out the way first, but I read somewhere how you talked about certification. So I know there's a lot of certifications in coaching or mentoring or life teachers or however you want to label your field. This is a billion dollar industry. Tony Robbins probably can consider himself all of those things, but to some degree, it's unregulated. Does that cause concern for you on how people view what you do? Or is that not even a thought in terms of regulations and all that and how if it's saturated or not, you know what your lane is and that's what you focus on. It's definitely a very full market. It's competitive. And you're right. There's not a lot of regulation. You and I were talking earlier about how I think you actually mentioned this on the interview where someone just decided to be a mentor and then to go yes. do it. Now, I don't you know, I don't know the background. I don't know if they have any experience. <laughs> but hey, between you and I and we won't tell anybody else, <laughs> they are not prepared to be a coach. Trust me. Exactly. In that case, that's something I'm really against. And that's also part of the reason why I decided to take a stand and to create my courses, because I don't have any certifications. I make that very clear. I'm not a coach, but what I do have is 10 years of business experience. And if I'm looking for a business mentor, I'd rather have someone who has that experience than someone who just has an MBA and no actual experience. Hmm. So business is one of those things that's a little bit different, but you're right. It's not super regulated. That's really unfortunate. I don't have the solution to that. What I'm focused on is helping as many people as I can with proven, tried and true strategies that I know work and educating as many people as I can on how to choose the right mentors. It doesn't have to be me, but how to look for someone who has experience, who knows what they're talking about, who has helped people actually get results instead of just deciding, oh, hey, this looks like a good way to make money. Let me just jump in it. The double-edged sword was going to be on the other half of that to say, 
hey, if someone like me, not necessarily me, but if someone like me decided, you know what, I've been in the corporate world for 15, 20 years, I think I have a lot of value to add others. Do you still think there's a viable market for somebody like that to get in? Do you think it's too saturated or does it just depend? If you have a value proposition, then there could be space for you anytime, all the time. I don't believe in the concept of too much saturation. It just, there's always something new. We as people, we get bored. If there's something new, something better, something faster, that's just the way of the world. There is always going to be something. So it's your job. I mean, not you, but you generically as an entrepreneur to figure that out. And to what you were saying about your experience, if you have 20, 30 years of corporate experience, you want to be helping other people with their careers, doing career coaching, which I have students who do that, then based on your experience, that's a lot of experience to be helping people with. And I do agree that that makes you, especially with the right positioning, et cetera, have a, why not? Yeah, right. You know? Yeah, that's really, really good. So tell me, what do you do, Louisa, you specifically, what do you do to continue to plug into others? How do you look for mentors? What do you do to expand your knowledge? I'm learning every day. Uh, So I don't necessarily have a set process or just this is exactly what I do. But every day I'm reading, I'm speaking to my colleagues who are way smarter, way more successful than me inside of this industry, completely in completely different industries. I'm constantly on the lookout for mentors who can help me take myself, my business to the next level, whatever that means for me. I'm like a sponge. I think that's the best way to put it because otherwise you don't know what you don't know. So I'm constantly absorbing information in whatever way I can all the time. We want to thank today's sponsor, Namecheap. Are you trying to find a domain registration company or a host that best fits your need? Namecheap is a domain name registrar in a web hosting company that I've worked with since 2002. They were established in 2000. They offer domain names at some of the best prices in the industry, along with full featured hosting packages secure SSL certificates, who is guard privacy protection service, and much more. Go to the link in today's podcast, click on Namecheap and get yours today. So, you know, this is, I'm 42 years old. So I recently was on my computer. I was looking up a picture. I saw a picture of me at 15 years old, uh, had an earring in my ear, rayon shirt, would it open? I was looking really cute, really good. And, <laughs> and uh, then I looked at a picture of myself in my current state, I have four kids. Of course, I'm older, a couple of grays on my beard. But I thought in that very moment, what would that guy tell that young kid who's 15, knowing what he knows today, whether from a business or a personal perspective? And I know you're approaching 30 and I don't want to make you older than you are. But what would you tell yourself as you look at yourself and a younger person, knowing some of what you went through already with the short 15 years What would you say to yourself to kind of push you ahead or navigate through certain waters? Focus more on relationships. That's the biggest thing, because when I think of everything I went through, there's nothing I would change. I wouldn't tell myself to be more patient. I wouldn't tell myself to fail less because I learned from all of that. And that got me to where I am today. But the thing that I always thought growing up was that you can just depend on yourself. You know, you don't need to depend on anyone else. You just be a lone wolf or mountain or island or whatever. And now that I've started 
developing relationships more with people I respect and like and trust, I've just seen how much that opens up your worldview, your opportunities, just everything in your life. And I had never thought about that before. That would be the biggest thing I would focus on. Speaking of opening up your world and travel and all that stuff, and this is just kind of off on a tangent here, but do you deal with a lot of global students and do you deal with people in other countries? And at at what level are you scaling there? I do. I don't know the exact percentages as of now, but I have a significant portion of my students who come especially from Europe, Australia. Those are the two main places. Oh, and Canada. So yeah, growing a little bit all over the world. That's really awesome. I think it's great what you're doing. I think you are obviously the success that you're seeing is a testament to the value that you're providing people, which is exactly the reason why I wanted to speak to you. And again, Nagina, who I trust a lot, the fact that she wrote about you, kind words, says a lot about you. So is there anything that you can share with the audience in terms of if they want to be a part of your program or if they just want to reach out to you, how can they do that? So the easiest way, I just have a really great training for someone who is in a side hustle and looking to, like we talked about, take their existing skills, turn that into a coaching, consulting, freelancing, et cetera, business. And I have a free training on that, which can be accessed at really simple URL, luisajo.com slash class. I do want to caveat my name is not spelled how it sounds. So (laughs) it's L-U-I-S-A. Z as in zebra, H-O-U dot com slash class. Louisa Joe. That's right. Anywhere else? Can they connect with you on Twitter? Any other outlets you can share? I am on Twitter and my handle is just the same thing, Louisa Joe. I'm also on Facebook. Those three places are probably the best places to find me. So Louisa, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing this coaching concept, this mentoring concept. It's really, really cool. And I think you're doing it really awesome. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening. The next episode of Missions and Marketplace podcast drops on Sunday, drops every Sunday. If you like what we're doing, leave us a rating, a review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. It's a great way to help others find out about the show. I got love for you, and I know you have it for me. Help me raise the bar even higher. For more information about the show, follow me on Twitter at the handle P. Willis Sr. Until next Sunday, keep dreaming, keep pushing, and I'll do the same, and I'll talk to you soon. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious.